this is a young team. We're on the cusp. All right, we got to add some pieces to what we're doing here. Pierce running right, spin move, barrels his way down to the 41-yard line. What a run by Pierce. The type of players that we're looking for are players who are looking to swarm. It's intercepted, Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Picked off by Stingley. Petrie, Texans have the ball on the pick. The takeaway train is rolling. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now, it's Texans All Access. Oh, we're working all right. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. We are live tonight and privileged, honored, and thrilled to be joined by the General John McClain as usual on a Thursday night. A week ago, we caught up with John at the Combine, but now we are back in the Hyundai Texans Radio mobile studio, and great to have you with us tonight. And the Texans made some news today with the draft board Moving things around, a a fifth-round pick was subtracted from their allotment because of, well, what they termed the league did. I'm not going to say they termed it this way, but it's kind of an illegal benefit for a player getting a chance to work out in an off-site facility. Now they accounted it in another area, and I guess that was not acceptable to the league because it's a salary cap thing. And, look, it's kind of like the NCAA rules in a way. Can't give somebody a ride. Can't give somebody a benefit without it counting against the cap somehow, some way, and that's what happens. So they lose a fifth, they get a fine, they disagree with the ruling by the league, but they'll comply, and they pick up a seventh in the comp pick giveaway today. It was, you get a comp pick, and you get a comp pick, and Oprah was giving out comp picks, and the Texans get the last pick in the seventh round as a comp pick, Mr. Irrelevant, which served the 49ers well last year with D'Amico Ryans. Uh, being the defensive coordinator, of course, but Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant for the 49ers, and he did well for them. So you never know. Maybe some magic in the air with that Mr. Irrelevant pick for the Houston Texans this season. Gentlemen, good evening. John McClain joins us. And, John, I heard you on the Astros roundtable. Now it's a Texans roundtable. How you doing, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you. All right, John, let's get All into right, this. All right, so your thoughts on the tr- – Go ahead, Mark. Well, your thoughts on the whole comp pick situation here, John. All with The comp pick and the fifth round reduced pick. They lose a pick in the fifth round. They still have 11 overall. The 49ers get six compensatory picks, three in the third round, and the Texans hope to be good enough to where people are stealing their guys and their coaches that they'll be in a situation like the 49ers. Remember the Ravens, because they used to always pick low, they lived and died on those comp picks. They lose starters. They wouldn't replace them. They did it judiciously, and they got third-rounders, and then they would replenish their roster that way. You know, that's not going to have Jack to do with squat about what happens in this draft and improving the team. You know, there's always talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. He'd make a good backup quarterback to Bryson or C.J. Stroud. I don't know why in the world. He would come here as a backup, even if they said, well, you're going to be the starter till the rookie's ready, which could be two, as we saw with Tom Savage, was one game. And um, those early picks, you know, those are the ones that everybody's the most interested in. But I think they got four picks in the sixth round. And you mentioned Mr. Irrelevant and Purdy. From now on, everybody that has the last pick in the draft is going to talk about uh, Brock Purdy and what he did for the 49ers. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be Tom Brady. Whoever gets the 199th pick is going to go. Well, that's where Tom Brady was taken. 
there actually have been some pretty good 199 picks along the way. That said, John, we've got the new league year coming up before we talk to you again next Thursday. What do you think, from a free agent standpoint, is the biggest priority for this team? Not taking into account any draft stuff, like, oh, they're probably going to get a quarterback, etc. What do you think are the biggest priorities from a free agent standpoint for them heading into the new league year starting next week on the 15th? I think since you're going to have a rookie starting quarterback, you need a veteran center. It's not mandatory, of course. I love seeing get John Michael Schmitz, the best center from Minnesota, but there's a lot of centers. I looked this up today who are unrestricted. And um, I think that Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans are going to want a veteran center. I think they need to sign a receiver and they need to draft the receiver because when you use that top pick on quarterback, you got to have playmakers. Now, if these guys were very good, they wouldn't be available. But there are guys who've changed teams and they've excelled. So I'm, I'm looking at centers, tight ends, wide receivers. And, you know, the good defensive linemen, those, those guys don't get out there a lot. I'm also looking at a safety, a second safety to play with Jalen Petrie. So there are some possibilities. I'm looking at the 49ers first. There is a uh, defensive end. Is his name Brian Allen, who was with the Cardinals? Zach uh, Allen. In, Zach Allen. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the new defensive coordinator, Matt Burke, didn't encourage Miko and Nick to sign him because I watched every episode of the in-season hard knocks and he was kind of like Watts foil and uh, Watt was talking to him constantly, kind of helping coach him up and I know he got better as the season went and I was looking at there's three safeties at uh, San Francisco who are unrestricted. Tayshawn Gibson's not coming here, been there, done that. Uh, Jimmy Ward wants to go back to safety from Nickel Corner. He's also older, but they had a guy, and I can't remember his name, they'd had high hopes for, but he couldn't wait, work his way in the lineup, so he's a special things guy, so I'm really interested to see who the new coaches have on their previous teams that they recommend. John McClain joining us on Texans All Access tonight, and General, tell me about your feelings, actually, I don't know if I need to hear this because I think I read it on Twitter, about the Jimmy Garoppolo rumblings out there. And do you think it's going to happen or not? Your thoughts on that? If I'm Garoppolo, I want to go somewhere where I can be the starting quarterback. He's not going to be the starting quarterback here. If he is, it'll be a few games. You know, you guys know. When a team drafts a quarterback high, they say, well, we're going to let him develop. We're not going to start him before he's ready. And then a quarter way into the season, he's starting. And if you're a playoff team with Alex Smith, the former first overall pick, you can afford to let a rookie like Patrick Mahomes sit, or you can afford to let uh, Aaron Rodgers sit for three years behind Brett Favre. But this team is growing. That top pick's going to be like having a baby and watching that baby grow. Or driving, I keep saying, like, you got a new car. Do you want the new car or do you want to drive the used car? Of course you want the new car. So – I think Garoppolo, if he came here, he would be 
because he wanted to be reunited with all these coaches, but he may not get another contract. He's 31, so you know he wants to get as much money as he can get. And unless he's independently wealthy, I look for him to go where he can get the most money, and I can't imagine Nick Casario would pay much for a quarterback who's not long for the uh, starting job world. General, there's been a lot of noise about Aaron Rodgers this week. We saw Derek Carr sign with the Saints. Is Rodgers the next domino to fall on the quarterback carousel? Do you think he ends up with the New York Jets? And what happens after that as the next move in the quarterback carousel world? I think it would be Garoppolo. The Raiders are interested. If I'm those teams in the NFC South, I'd be interested in Garoppolo. If I wasn't going to trade up, try to get a boomer buzz candidate like Anthony Richardson, who may not play for a couple of years and wasn't very good last year in his only season as a starter. It's so interesting to me. I do two weekly shows in Nashville and Knoxville, and they know all about Anthony Richardson. And they have told me the guy's got great size, speed, mobility, arm strength is off the charts. He's going to put on a show at the Combine. And he did. And a lot of people were surprised about it. And uh, they also said people better pump the brakes on Anthony Richardson based on what we saw. He's got a long, long way to go. It's like some people act like the Texans have drafted. I certainly don't see that. Maybe if they sign Jimmy Garoppolo and let him start two or three years and give Richardson the Aaron Rodgers treatment, but uh, that's why I want him to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, and I don't have a problem with either one of them, and then just get to work, coach them up, let Gerard Johnson and Bobby Slowick coach those guys and get, get, the, uh, get the show on the road. We'll get back to the Texans in just a moment, but tell me about the Titans, General. Do you call this a rebuild, a reload, a re-something? What are your thoughts on their situation? They got serious cap problems. They got serious offensive line problems. They got to have four new starters in their offensive line. And there's a couple of their players, David Long, the linebacker. I wouldn't mind seeing him come to Houston. I wouldn't mind seeing Nate Davis, their guard, come to Houston. But they just, they're in a position where they're going to lose players. They're going to have to use the trap. And uh, you talk about no buzz, buzz kill up there is having Ryan Tannehill back as the quarterback. People want to move on right now. Nobody believes that Malik Willis is the answer based on what they've seen. But you guys know how that could change. Yeah, there's no question uh, with that. General, the Bears have the first pick in the draft. So a couple layers of questions. Number one, do you think the Texans will even entertain moving up to number one? Number two, if the Texans don't, who do you think and what team makes the most sense in trading with the Bears, be it Colts at four, Seahawks at nine, Raiders at seven? What do you think happens with that particular situation? I believe, John, that Brian Poles, the GM, is making so much noise about trading the pick and getting multiple first-round picks back. It's not going to get them from Nick Casario. Of course, Nick will entertain it. He'll talk to them about it and see what they want. And um, 
the I think that the Colts it depends on Ursay. We're talking about Chris Ballard. They're not going to trade up unless Ursay approves it. And if Chris Ballard doesn't want to and Ursay does, they'll do it. Could be Carolina. Could be the Raiders. It depends on what they think about the quarterbacks. There's a discrepancy. There's a, let's see, an abyss between Young and Stroud. And then the next two, Richardson and Levis. And I think Indian Hooker is going to go in the first round. I just think it'll be lower because of his knee injury. So I think five will be drafted. And uh, I think the Bears, will, one thing the Bears have to be careful of is getting too cute. They know if they go to four, they can get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson Jr. Thinking that number three, Arizona, is going to take one of them. What if Carter's situation is such that they say, well, we're not drafting him in the top four. Well, then if they drop to four, they're going to lose Anderson. Who could they use this worth for? They might as well. They might as well keep trading down. So I think they'll do everything they can. If they stay there, I think it'll be Anderson. And I tell you, I don't think Jalen Carter would get by Seattle because Seattle has proved the Seahawks will take anybody, just like the Chiefs. They'll take anybody. John McClain joining us on Texans Radio tonight. My uh, feed is a little messed up here, but hopefully I'm still on. Okay, General, let's talk about this. The coordinator spoke with the media this week. You had Bobby Slowick. You had Matt Burke. So tell me, how did this shape, influence, affect how you feel about how they might look on each side of the ball? Let's start with the offense. Your thoughts on what you heard this week. Well, we know on offense they couldn't look any worse. That's the worst offense I've seen in Texas history. And Bobby Slowick's 35, calling plays for the first time. I talked to Kyle Shanahan. Kyle kept talking about how smart he, how smart he is. You don't see many guys grow up on defense and then move to offense. I thought he was very impressive. His line about uh, Garoppolo, I saw one headline on a national story, he spilled the beans. If you know what he meant, he meant they're going to check out Garoppolo like they're going to check out every veteran free agent. And um, I was just really impressed. You know, knowing he grew up in a football family with his dad, Bob Slowick being a four-time NFL defensive coordinator. He was going to sound good. I can't wait to see what he and Draw Johnson can do together on offense. And then Matt Burke, I, I got a column up on Bobby Slowick on gallerysports.com, and I'm when I get home, I'm going to write one on Burke. You don't see many defensive coordinators that have psychology degrees from Dartmouth, and they've been to Uganda for charity work, safaris in Botswana, and climbing Kilimanjaro. And Matt, uh, I saw a lot of him on Hard Knocks watching Watt, and they seem to have a special relationship. And Burke spent five years with the Titans, working with Jeff Fisher and Jim Schwartz, Dave McGinnis, Mike Munchak, Jim Washburn. He was around some really good coaches. And I talked to McGinnis about him. And McGinnis has just sold on him big time. So I think D'Amico Ryan's did a great job on his hires, and I can't wait to watch these guys in the off-season program and then training camp. All right, General, I'm going to give you enough money to bring back both 
one offensive Texans free agent and one defensive Texans free agent. So we'll start with the offense here. And you've got these free agents, Phil Dorsett, Chris Moore, Jordan Akins, Justin McCray, Jeff Driscoll, Royce Freeman, Rex Burkhead, O.J. Howard, Kyle Allen. You get to bring back one. Which offensive free agent would you want to bring back for 2023 and beyond? Do I have to bring back one of them? Yes. Oh, gosh, one of the receivers. You know, I, I, I think I would bring back of those receivers Chris Moore. He's given them everything he's got for the last two years. He's reliable. I don't even know if he's a third receiver, but it would be Chris Moore. Okay, let's go defense then. You've oh, got res- oh, it's easy. You're going oboe right off the bat. You're not even going to listen to him. You're just going oboe right off nope. the bat? Because he showed so much potential, and I was reading some reports on him about how he would fit in the front that D'Amico Ryans is going to run. Who else is on there? I hadn't even paid attention. Uh, Rasheem Green, Derek Rivers, Neville Hewitt, KPL, Jonathan Owens, Tremont Smith, MJ Stewart, Tavier Thomas. Okoronkwo. Pretty simple. Who would you guys bring back? John has marked that question and answer it. I'd like to hear you answer it, too. Okay, Mark, I'll ask you that question. Which free agent, offense, defense, you get one on each side of the ball to bring back. Mark, which one are you bringing back offense? Which one are you bringing back defense? Uh, you said Aikens is a free agent, right? He is a free agent. I'm going to bring him back just because Andre Ware is going to be upset if they don't. <laughs> so I don't want to upset Andre in the booth. So I'm going to bring back Aikens, and I love Aikens. You know that. Yes. And on defense – Look, I I would have to go oboe as well, but I, I don't want to sleep on these DBs, okay? I like Tremont, I like Tavier, I like these guys, and I, I would love to see them stick around. I just, you know, we've talked to these guys a lot. I feel a little bond with them. I'd love to see them stick. Yeah, I think for me, General, I would bring back, um, I like Akins. I mean, I know, I, I think you can get him back on a, on a reasonable deal. He's 30. I don't know what his market is going to be outside of Houston. He had a tremendous year. Um, and I, I don't know how it fit with a new quarterback, but I got to think that his film last year would be very attractive to Bobby Slowick in his offense. Defensively, yeah, I mean, it's, it's oboe from jump. But I don't want to lose Jonathan Owens. I think Owens, he didn't play exceptionally well the second half of the year, if I'm being brutally honest. He was second on the team in tackles, but I don't think he played exceptionally well the second half of the year. I think it started in that Titans game where he missed a tackle on Derrick Henry. And then I felt his confidence sort of got shot the rest of the year. But I wouldn't give up on Jonathan Owens either. I mean, he started all last year. I think there's a lot of promise, a lot of athleticism. Maybe he's not the full-time starter. Maybe he's a guy that can find a way in a, in a three-safety role or whatever they want to do that way. But I wouldn't want to give up on Jonathan Owens at that point either. I'd like to have Jordan Akins okay. if he'd take a two-year deal. But nobody's going to sign him to more than that, even though he's going to try to get the most. But he did have a – a good season, so I'd take him over Chris Moore, too. He caught that fourth and 20 touchdown pass, baby, and the two-point conversion. Rock and roll. I'm telling you. I mean, it's just one of those things. It's just so odd that the Texans did not lose to the Colts this year, yet you feel you felt weird at best after both games. A tie did you do a win where you're like, you do all right. A- did you do a rock and roll? 
No, <laughs> no question mark. No, I'm Ron Burgundy. No, I did a. Um, I I don't even know if I said touchdown. I said and number two. No, just kidding. Because uh, thank God, Mark, thank God Mark, didn't say, thank God Mark didn't say what I told him in his ears because I was, I just couldn't believe he caught it. I'm like, I'm watching Rodney Thomas. I'm like, yeah. he's oh, he's gonna pick it, and then oh bleep. I mean, that was exactly my reaction, General. So, yep. Uh, let me ask John There's this, uh, Lamar Jackson and. Uh, Lamar Jackson, John, what do you think ultimately happens here? A lot of talk, uh, accusations in the media of collusion, and does he end up in Washington? Where does he go? Does he stay in Baltimore? Your thoughts on his situation. Mark and John, it's amazing, the media trying to say collusion because owners don't want to give fully guaranteed contracts. That's, That's not collusion. You're doing what you think is best for your business, and you can't prove it unless you can find evidence that they've talked about it and said, hey, let's don't give guaranteed contracts. I think this, uh, he's missed 10 games the last two years. He's won one playoff game. He's a great quarterback. He's an MVP four years ago. He hasn't earned, to me, a $230 million guaranteed contract. Watson didn't either. I don't blame him trying to get it. Like everybody else, I think if he had an agent, he'd be better off, even though he's got financial advisors in the union trying to help him. I was thinking the other day, if you're the Jets and you're going to give up two ones for a 39-year-old uh, airhead, and or would you want a 26-year-old, just turned 26, Lamar Jackson, for two ones, and you got to give a $230 million guarantee. Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or Jalen Hurts, one of those guys or more is going to get a fully guaranteed contract. I think five years from now, it's going to be something just accepted among the stars of the stars' quarterbacks. So I'm thinking if I'm the Jets, I'm giving two ones, and then I'm going to give them a fully guaranteed contract and hope the Ravens don't match it. Where do you think ultimately General Lamar Jackson does end up? I'm going to say Johnny's going to stay there if indeed he wants a fully guaranteed contract. Okay, interesting. Uh, General, a couple more for you uh, on the way out here as uh, we talk Texans and free agency and the rest of it. Johnny asked you about the needs in free agency for the Houston Texans, but let's zoom ahead here to the draft. And I know you've addressed some of this, but yay or nay on trading either of these first-round picks, 2 or 12, does it happen or not? Not on two, but Nick Casario, he has ants in his pants when it comes to trading picks. I think he'll trade the second one just like he did last year. I believe if they use the top pick on a quarterback, if they don't, there's, if they don't take a receiver, it's going to be a defensive lineman. And it could be a guy like Brian Priest. It could be Lucas Van Ness. Somebody that will help the defensive line. And then I almost would take a defensive lineman there's a lot of fast, good receiver prospects, and take one with that first pick in the second round. But uh, I think those are going to be their first three picks. Either receiver will be second and the lineman third. But as you guys know, those those linemen are hard to come by. That's why they got to re- they got to overpay to keep uh, Okoronkwo uh, and um, use those first three or four picks 
judiciously. In another position, how often is backup running back a priority? They have got to get a legitimate backup running back who can make those splits like 60-40, 70-30 at the worst with Damian Pierce. All right, General, we appreciate you visiting. What's going on on your various platforms that you are creating for people? i got Bobby Slowick. I'm about to write one on Matt Burke. I'm doing one for Sports Radio 610 tomorrow about Jimmy Garoppolo would be a good backup quarterback, but why would he come here in this role? And uh, when I talk to you guys next week, I'll be in Las Vegas watching the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Oh, nice. McLean is living the life in, uh, it's not retirement, it's whatever it is after the Chronicle thing was over. All right, John, thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate Thank you, it. Guys. And coming up, it's Thursday night. It's me and Johnny. It's who's better. We've got it for you next. We're going to feature quarterbacks, as we always do. And also the climbing Mount Kilimanjaro thing. Let's discuss this a little bit as well. It's Texans Radio. More Texans Radio is on the way. Texans Radio is back. Hi, Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Time to play Who's Better on a Thursday evening. Great to have you with us. Chris Santiago producing. We are live Hyundai Texans Radio mobile studio. All right, let's go here, Johnny. Who's better? A lot of people are talking about Lamar Jackson this week, and for good reason. And Deshaun Watson comes up in the conversation, too, because he had that big guaranteed contract given to him by the Cleveland Browns. I'm just going to ask you flat out, who's better, Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson? We saw Watson in six games last year. You don't even know what he is anymore. He might be back. You don't know if you're the Cleveland Browns. They hope he's back. Lamar Jackson, he's gotten hurt late each of the last two seasons. Can you count on him? Who's better, Johnny? Lamar scares me more. He scares me if I'm a defensive coordinator. If Lamar's healthy, he scares me more. Now, in asking that question, I know what you're, you're also saying, and that is, to your point, mm-hmm. is Watson going to ever get back? And on the flip side, is Lamar going to stay healthy? He missed 10 games, as John pointed out in the last segment. Uh, is he going to stay healthy? If both are fully healthy, I'm going with Lamar because Lamar scares me um, you know, that much more, especially throwing to guys like Mark Andrews and Mark Andrews. So, you know, they – I mean, Rashad Bateman got all upset because Eric DaCosta talked about adding more wide receivers to the crew. So, I don't know. There, there seemed to be a disconnect in what Bateman thought he could do. And, again, he's got to stay healthy. But if Lamar is fully healthy, he scares the fool out of me because, obviously, of the way he can run. Now, Deshaun can run, too. But Deshaun has so much rust to knock off. I mean, you could, you could see it in our game. I mean, it was two years of not playing ball. That takes a toll. So, I think he does rebound this year. I think he's too good of a quarterback. But I still am more scared of Lamar Jackson. Okay. Or scareder. No, that's not proper. Yeah, scared Not proper grammar. We will not allow that. Okay. Yeah, scareder. All right, here we go. Who's better as we continue? Let's go. Better chance to play more this year. Would it be Jimmy Garoppolo, wherever he ends up? We don't know where that is yet. Or Trey Lance, who is still a 49er and at some point will play football for them consistently, we think. Who's going to play more? Better chance to play more, Jimmy G or Trey Lance? Jimmy Garoppolo. Because Trey Lance is going to stay okay. with the San Francisco 49ers. I just can't see any trade working out anywhere else. It just, it just doesn't make sense. Now, he had apparently a clean ACL 
tear. I guess that's a good thing. Um, and we've seen, you know, medical movement such that players can re- rebound from that. So I'm not losing too much sleep over that. The Brock Purdy thing gets interesting to me. He had to wait a while before he could end up having surgery. So if the surgery goes well, there's thought that he could get back by August and make it Mm. for the first game of the year. Well, when does Trey Lance come back? And if neither one of them can make it back, then what do they do? They don't go back to Jimmy Garoppolo, do they? So I think Garoppolo's got options. Ian Rappaport pointed it out. I was talking with Seth this morning on the show um, that Panthers – Raiders, Texans, is I think those are the three teams. He basically pointed out three teams that could definitely be in the running for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think because of that, he's going to have an opportunity to go be a starter for maybe the whole season. But I still think that he is, and I feel like he's been this, he's, the, he's a bridge quarterback. And that started in 2021 when they drafted Trey Lance. It was just a matter of time before they handed it off. And... He came back this year because, obviously, all the quarterbacks in San Francisco, Trey Lance uh, first, were all dead. So he comes back. 49ers had to bring him back. He did some good things. But there was nothing truly special about what Jimmy Garoppolo was doing. That offense was running probably a little bit better when Brock Purdy was in the game. So I think that all aside, I think Garoppolo is going to have more opportunities to step in and be that guy somewhere for at least a decent portion of the season to fend off a rookie quarterback. But to me, that's that's what he is. Now, does he believe he can be the face of the franchise? Is that what he is? I, I don't know. If he is, then he's not going to play any football. But if he says, look, I can come in, i got a chance to compete, I'll be the starter to start, and then if I take a turn and the rookie's ready, then so be it. But – I think he's going to get an opportunity. So I'm going to say Jimmy Garoppolo in all of that because I just I just don't know what Trey Lance and Brock Purdy are going to be from a physical standpoint. And if they're not, that also leads to what San Francisco is going to do not knowing that. And they're definitely not bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo. So what are they going to do in the interim? Do they try and, I don't know, they try and get a Baker Mayfield? Like I don't know what San Francisco is going to do mm. until those two are going to mm. be healthy, if at all. So what do they do? That's tricky to me. That's a great, that's a great spot for Baker. By the way, if if yeah. there's going to be enough of a runway for him to prove himself there, that's a pretty interesting spot because it's a good offense for him. And yep. man, that tree is working out really well. That Bill Walsh, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan tree is really working out well. Should we go back to Paul Brown? Should should we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that thing, that thing, that system with all its variations, and I know people play with it. McVay is different a little bit from O'Connell and the rest of it. But, man, does that get results as opposed to the Patriots tree, which doesn't quite, with the offensive system, doesn't quite get the results that you're looking for outside of New England and the greatest quarterback of all time running that system. All right, who's better? Let's continue here. Better chance to improve more. The Texans offense, which finished 31st in the league. I'm just going to go yardage here. Or the defense, which finished 30th. Johnny those numbers hurt me. It hurts my heart to say those numbers. But which is going to improve more this year statistically? The defense. The defense. Because Ooh. I think I think you're going to have a just my you know we were talking about earlier about free agents coming back on defense, and 
let's say that let's say that they're able to bring back Oboe and I don't know. Let's just say Jo. Say they, say they bring those two back or or Tav. Let's go Tav and, and Oboe. Okay. Let's say they bring them back. Those guys have been highly productive. That puts you. That puts them back there with Petrie and Stingley and Nelson. Now you got a secondary that's got some experience now, and obviously Petrie. Was was tremendous minus the missed tackles, which he's got to improve there. Christian Harris, hopefully, you're going to have for a full year. Um, if you have, if you bring Oboe back, then all of a sudden you put him. Okay, he's in there with John Grenard. You draft another player to go with those two on the edge, and now you're thinking, well, okay, you got something there. Now you find, I don't know, maybe some free agent money that you put towards bringing somebody in to play inside with Malik and with Roy and Booker and Heinish. And now you're like, okay, I start to see what this is supposed to look like. I think offensively, Bobby Sloak used a word I thought was pretty interesting, and Seth and I talked about this too, precision, being precise. Offensively, it's going to take a little while to find that sweet spot of absolute precision. Whereas defense, you just play you know, balls to the wall, and you're eventually with some, some better talent going to get where you want to go so I think defensively they'll make quicker bigger strides than they will offensively but once the offense starts to kind of find that precision point then I think the offense is really going to turn that thing around pretty quickly all right Johnny who's better and he's hanging out with me in studio here Vanderkid too very excited about his uh his grade on his public speaking assignment, he did my <laughs> shot by Hamilton. Nice. Him as a 10-year-old soccer player or when Messi was 10. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. I'm, Messi was probably pretty amazing, but he's pretty good too. All right, so that's enough of that. That's self-serving. All right, better. I'm going to word it like this, Johnny. Matt Burke was talking about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. I was fascinated by that at his press conference. That was really cool. Yeah. But what would you it, – it's more like a would-you-rather – if I say you got to do one of these, John, you got to climb either Mount Kilimanjaro or swim the English Channel. Swimming Whoa. the English Channel is 20 miles, and it takes anywhere from 7 to 27 hours. People, like, grease themselves up, yeah. and they do it. Climbing Mount Kilimanjaro takes five to nine days, and as you heard Matt Burke say, mm. it's not that pleasant all the time. You can get a little altitude sickness, whatever. There are taller mountains in the world. Everest is way taller, I guess, but Mount Kilimanjaro is a big challenge, obviously. And Hemingway wrote about it, so that was pretty cool. Which would you rather do? I would rather climb. And I and listening to Matt talk the other day about it, it was pretty interesting. He talked about getting altitude sickness about halfway up, but then when he got to the top, he was okay. But then some other of his party got the altitude sickness and they needed to go back down. Um, you know, swimming the English Channel, like, I I go back to when I was at Brown University. They sent me the very first workout booklet back in 1990, the summer of 1990. And they were like, look, you can either you can swim these amounts or you can run these amounts. And I never really liked, you know, running 400s or 800s or the fartlek or whatever. So I was like, I'll swim. And I did that for about a week. And Mark, it was exhausting i was like i'll go run holy cow this is hard and i gave that up so i can't imagine doing that for any longer than i would have to it is a grueling workout and i used to work at the bowl school where chipper jones went to high school and they had a international 
swim program with dozens of swimmers over the years that had gone to the Olympics. And I watched those kids work out at like 4.30 in the morning, start at 4.30 in the morning, get done by 6.30 so they could get to class um, by 7.30, 7.45. It's brutal. I will take the altitude sickness and go up Mount Kilimanjaro and climb it. I'll do that. I'll do that nine and a half times out of ten versus swimming. I think I'd almost rather swim. I don't know. If I had one of those boats alongside me and I could bail. But, no, you want to do it. You want to complete it. you you got to yeah, complete it. I don't know, man. i got to think about this one. That's Can I a beat a one. boat? No, that defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> I'm on a boat. All right, coming up here. Yeah, I'm on a boat here. Coming up, John Harris gives us a possible Mr. Irrelevant. You're going to call your shot, Johnny, because the Texans have the pick for Mr. Irrelevant this year. Call your shot today. And you can change it, but you know what? This is your first attempt. So this this one will really have a lot of meaning if you can land it. And also, John McClain made some interesting points about Jimmy G. And should he, would he, is he? Let's go over those. Next segment coming up here on Texans Radio. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. Oh, great to have you with us. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. All right, Johnny, Mr. Irrelevant. The Texans have the pick with the seventh-round comp pick given to them today. Give me a possibility, maybe two, of Mr. Irrelevant when they select him, unless Nick trades the pick. Yeah, he'll probably trade the pick. Um, I'm going to give you a wide receiver. Well, he's kind of a he's a wide receiver returner right at UCLA. Tiny guy, but absolutely can fly. His name is Kaz Allen. UCLA wide receiver slash returner. This dude can absolutely jet. But he's also 5'7", 170. So he would kind of be a seventh-round answer to Tank Dell. But Tank is just that much. I mean, he's, I don't know, he's got two inches and, uh, you know, probably about the same weight uh, as Kaz Allen. But Allen has got a track background. And he played football late, but this year he had one game at UCLA where he led the Bruins in rushing. He had one game where he led them in receiving yards. And he's got, you know, incredible speed. So, I mean, I'm, he might even be a, I don't know, he might be an early seven, maybe a late six. But I'll go with Kaz Allen from UCLA. I think you'll get knocked because of his size, but, man, that dude can absolutely smoke. I mean, he can fly. So that's the guy I'm going with from UCLA. Well, Chris Santiago, save the audio because you never know <laughs> at the end of the draft. This could be it with the triple-digit jersey and all of it for Mr. Irrelevant. All right, Jimmy G, the reports are possibly the Panthers, the Raiders, the Texans have come up in the conversation. Johnny, I do see the general's point about, hey, the Panthers, Raiders, you're probably more likely to play more in those places because – especially the Raiders, less likely to take a quarterback early in this draft. From where we sit right now, that does seem logical. Your thoughts? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I tend to uh, agree with that. I mean, the general is very purposeful in saying um, he's a backup. And I said today mm-hmm. when I was talking with Seth that I was okay with a couple situations of bringing Garoppolo in as long as 
the one situation I, I wouldn't be totally on board with, and that is even though you know how I feel about the 2024 class of quarterbacks, I do not want, okay, Jimmy's the guy, and we're not drafting a quarterback this year. That's the one situation I don't want. And I know I've said about 2024 quarterbacks that, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that there are two in 2024 that are going to be better than what's in 2023, all of them. I think Drake May and Caleb Williams are going to be better than any quarterback that's in this draft class. And so, in some sense, okay, we've waited this long. Let's wait to 2024. No. If you're going to get Jimmy Garoppolo, I do not want that. I want Jimmy Garoppolo, and I want to have a young quarterback this year, a rookie quarterback this year, that once Jimmy ends up getting banged up, because what do we know about Jimmy? He gets banged up. It's going to happen. Um, It's happened the last how many ever years, and how many years of his career has it been that way? It's going to happen. So I would like to have that young quarterback ready to go, learning behind Jimmy, learning this offense, and when everything is matching up, the precision's starting to happen, young guys are starting to make some plays, then a rookie steps in and is ready to kind of take this thing on into the future. So to me, getting Garoppolo with a rookie, drafting a rookie without getting Jimmy Garoppolo, those two situations I'm, I'm okay with. What I don't want, like I said, is I don't want Jimmy coming here and he's the, he's the guy and there's no question, and that's what you're going with in 2023 with no young dude uh, ready to ready to roll if something happens to Jimmy. I, I just I, that situation, I don't know that I'd be down with. Well, I'll tell you this: if you could guarantee me he stays healthy, that's interesting to me. But I know that you're you've got these young bucks in the crosshairs, and you're wondering whether you want to take them or not. And everybody's wondering, I don't know, the Texans probably have a very definite idea on what they want and who they want right now and how they want to set it up. Johnny Aaron Wilson reports that MJ Stewart has re-signed with the Texans. We're on live here. So I think that's pretty good. You know, that's a good glue guy, a guy who can help you do some things. You liked him when he came in in spot duty, and he's a good special teams player. So these are important signings. You know, this free agency period, and you're signing your own guys right now, but this free agency period coming up, you're going to see some signings that aren't exactly going to blow you away, that aren't going to blow your Instagram feed into smithereens. They're just going to be solid signings to build the team, to put this squad together, good foundational pieces. Well, that's probably overstating it a bit, but they're just guys to help you win games, right? You need a lot of these kinds of players. you got to put together a 90-man roster, and this is just part of the process. And I don't know if MJ ultimately makes it, but he made it last year, and he's a pretty good addition. Here's the thing. When they signed MJ Stewart, I was kind of curious as to – I figured in that defense he'd play safety, but I didn't. And I saw a play with Cleveland. Like, okay, there have been some moments. In training camp, I mean, MJ was just trying to find his footing, it, it looked like, because he just didn't look like the guy that I had seen um, coming out of North Carolina. He, he just didn't look confident. He even looked like the guy that was at Cleveland. But then about halfway through the year, he started getting time on defense. After being a superstar on special teams, he got an opportunity to go in on defense, and he started making some things happen. And I really liked what he gave the Texans over the last half of the year. So bringing back MJ Stewart, I like it. I really like it. I liked when MJ was next to Jalen Petrie back there. I felt good about that. I mean, that Dallas game, MJ tips that slant route uh, to Noah Brown, and it gets into the hands of Traymond Smith, who picks it off. And that that didn't change the game, but that was a signal of, hey, wait a second, this is going to be a 60-minute fight for the Cowboys. The Texans aren't just laying down. That was a big reason. Uh, for it was that MJ tip to the interception. So I love bringing back MJ in whatever role, if, even if it's just special teams. Let's say it's just special teams. 
that's still valuable because he is one of the best core four special teamers this team has. Hmm. Okay, good. That helps. That helps the cause, my friend. And uh, I really like it. I really like it a lot because you're going to see a lot of those signings, like I said. All right, that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, We've got free agency coming up, the legal tampering period coming up soon enough, and then the league year beginning next Wednesday. So we've got a lot of work to do as the team gets constructed, and we'll be here with you every step of the way. Johnny, are you done filling in on the morning show, or are you going to do more of that? Yeah, just today. It was just today, so when that 4.45 wake-up call came, I was like, oh, that's early. Oh, gosh. This is early. So yeah, uh, Don't have to worry about that, but uh, we'll be all set for tomorrow on radio. Got Paul Allen going to join us, and a little in the lab is going to be fun, too. Very nice indeed. Thank you, my friend, and thank you, Chris Santiago, for producing. This show will be up in podcast form soon enough. Have a great evening. Go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.